Welcome to C-Suite Radio. Hey everybody, happy Super Bowl Sunday. Another episode of the podcast for you. Today I am chatting with Jeff Abraham and Bert Kearns, both authors. And Jeff is actually a publicist with Jonas Public Relations. He's responsible for getting some of the most amazing people we've had on our show and that you've enjoyed. But we're talking with him and his writing partner today about their book, The Show Won't Go On, The Most Shocking, Bizarre, and Historic Deaths of Performers on Stage. This is a fun conversation. I really can't explain it and do it justice. You just have to listen and enjoy it. This is a fun book, a tribute to performers and the likes that have gone before us. And I think you'll like it. If you're not a football person like myself, I think you should listen to this interview. You will enjoy it quite a bit. Thanks again for listening and supporting the Open Mic Podcast with Brett Allen. Idly hey. Welcome to another episode of the Open Mic Podcast. Prepare to be astonished with Brett Allen. Dude, we are so gonna party. A pop culture podcast. <gasps> oh! At the Open Mic, no topic is off limits. Great Odin's Raven. Join in weekly as Brett interviews your favorite celebrities from film, television, sports, music, and much more. Plus, you never know who will stop by. The mystic portal awaits. Now here is your host, Brett Allen. We are chatting with Bert Kearns and Jeff Abraham. They have written a fun and fantastic book. The show won't go on. And we're going to get into that. This is probably one of the most interesting and fascinating books. I've heard other interviews that you guys have done. So I'm excited to get my shot at this. For people that don't know, Jeff is a publicist. He is a publicist for comedians and comics, both past, present, and I think some hopefully future. (laughs) And uh, Bert is also a writer and an entertainment guru as well. This book is very interesting. I want to get into that. You have both co-written this book. I, I, I would describe it as bizarre, but interesting and very satisfying. The show won't go on the most shocking, bizarre and historic deaths of performers on stage. The prologue sort of tells us, if you've read the book, what prompted the writing, but if you both could just go back to the initial conversation of this idea uh, <laughs> and how fun it must have been to to create. Well, I guess I can say it now since the election has ended, but we have to give Donald Trump some credit for the influence for this book. I know Bert <laughs> never likes to hear that. But it was over 15 years ago, I went to see an Elvis tribute show at Trump 29 Casino out in Coachella near Palm Springs. Yes. And part of this Elvis show was a gentleman, you probably don't know his name, but you know his voice. Ladies and gentlemen, Elvis has left the building. Thank you and good night. Yes. A man named Al Devoren. He had worked for Colonel Tom Parker even before the Colonel and the Elvis had met in about 1955. And he was mulling around after the show. And someone said, Al, you've done it all. And you, you have to write a book. When can we see this? And he goes, yeah, yeah, I know. I'll get to it. And I, we said goodnight. It was 10 o'clock on a Saturday night. Monday morning, I'm having breakfast. And I turn on the local news. Al DeVorn was killed in a car accident Sunday morning, leaving the hotel to go to Vegas. And if that doesn't take the wind out of you, I don't know what will. And I was shocked. I said, wait a minute. I was just with him. You know hours ago. And I thought, wait a minute, what about a book about, you know, people who die going to a show or, you know, like Elvis had died before he was supposed to go on tour. 
and Hank Williams and Buddy Holly died after a show. And I said, wait a minute, this is a great idea for a book called The Show Won't Go On. And that's all I wrote. And I told everybody, I got a great idea for the, a book. And everybody said, yeah, whatever. And Bert Kearns was the only person who said, shut up, let's do it. I think you've got an idea for this. I think this could work. And that, that's exactly what we did. Jeff had, had stopped by the house. Jeff and I have, have known each other for about 20 years. We've worked together in the past on various projects. And he said, I've got this, this idea for a book. And I said, that sounds tremendous. Let's do it. I have some t- time in my schedule. So we started doing it. We began with the, um, the research process. Uh, which was just collecting stories of Leonard Skinner dying in a plane crash, Jim Croce, people dying on the way to a show, people dying on stage on the way home. We got to more than a thousand people. And we said, you know, I think we have enough instances of people who just simply died on stage, Uh, more than 500. We had so many that we actually were originally going to add people who died in front of the camera on on, on movie sets or in television studios. But um, we had too many. So we did narrow it down to people who died on stage. Uh, The biggest issue we had was that once we started collecting the stories, deciding which ones we wanted to use, we found that people kept dying on stage. Uh, We had, you know, 25 people died on stage in 2019. There were another two dozen died in, in 2020. And in 2021, they were beginning to die on stage before the stage is all closed down because of the pandemic. Um, so we, uh, we had a lot, a lot to work with, a lot to deal with, and it, it was, it was ever changing. We worked on it for about three years before it finally was, we finally got to the point where it was ready to go. We literally had someone die on stage as we had handed in the manuscript to the publisher and we uh, quickly <laughs> inserted him with a, a, a British comedian named Ian Incognito who had died. He was on stage and faint, you know, had felt, you know, his heart and everybody. The worst thing we, the takeaway from this book is if you're a comedian, try not to die on stage. Everyone thinks it's part of your act. (laughs) But we managed to sneak him in literally as the book was just about to go to print. Well, I tell you, you just mentioned this early on or just a few minutes ago, that you had other people Recently, maybe a, a follow-up book could be in the works, perhaps, uh, because it seems to be happening happening quite frequently it, it, from, from what you guys have been saying. Yes, I mean, definitely there, there's room for further additions. We have a, a website, theshowonkawan.com, where we are keeping track of people who, who die on stage you know, since the book has come out. And again, there are about 50 so far. Yes, and we will have to actually put the links to that and, of course, the book in our show notes as well so our listeners can access it and be a part of it. Funny enough, there's a term that is used in the industry called corpsing, (laughs) (laughs) where people either break character on set or in a play or on a television show. I guess live music, that's just kind of part of the stick. I think people just interacting with their audience and things like that. So again, this is a very macabre, I feel, but it's not a, in a, a bad way, if that makes any sense, because you're you're accounting these stories and there's so many in the book, of course, the Elvis announcer, and there's a couple others that I want to draw attention to that I personally found interesting uh, as reading this. And, and I recommend that people do because it's just a lot of fun. And you guys kind of have already alluded to it a little bit, but if we could just kind of take it a bit further, if anybody listening has not read this book at all and just doesn't have a clue, essentially what's kind of the overarching themes that they can expect 
from when they read it? Well, the, the overarching theme is that this is a collection of performers, people in the performing arts from all, all walks of the profession, from, from radio to theater to, to circus to, 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 you know, to the stage, musicians, comedians, serious actors. And all of them are joined together by the fact that they had this often glorious exit from the stage and from life. You know, we wanted to look and we wanted to find out if, if that cliche, dying, doing what they loved, <laughs> had any significance or if it, if it was real. Um, you know, the fact that someone is on stage and dies while surrounded by their colleagues with a loving audience in front of them. And that's the last thing they see is, you know, are, are, the, are the lights. Some family members, especially to the, the ones who were related to the, the older performers, said, yeah, it was a great, glorious way to go. But for the most part, it was, yeah, it was a fun, fun way to go. But, you know, I wish we had him or I wish we had her for another 30 years because they still had a lot more to give. So we went out of our way to, to make the book not a, a, a gruesome, macabre story of, of the way people died. Right. But we, we went out of our way to celebrate their lives and, and, their, and their careers. These, these are, these are some, some careers are very famous, some are obscure, but they all lead to that same moment. Instead of winning a Grammy or winning an Emmy or an Oscar, it leads to that moment on stage. And it's more of a celebration than a forensic analysis, I think. One thing I will say after Bert, I will say ditto. I think absolutely for a book about death, it's a celebration of life. And it's also respecting those lives because it was not like, ha ha, he died. He was, you know, the cement fell, you know, you know, caved in on the escape artist. You know, it was ha ha, the bullet killed the magician. You know, we wanted to pay respect to these performers. And especially if you're interviewing their next of kin, you know, you can't, you can't, we're not, we weren't, we weren't going to do a bait and switch, you know? Right. So that was very important. And, you know, it's funny, the amazing Jonathan is a, a comedian, uh, comedy magician, but your audience has probably heard of, and he has had a long time heart problem and he took himself off the road and they made a documentary about him. And after a couple of years, he wasn't dead. And he said, what am I going to do? He said, well, you know, I can either stay in bed and die where he goes, you know what? I think I'd rather go out on stage and die on stage, you know, you know, with my boots on, you know? And and I said, wow, that's kind of exactly what we've been saying, you know, Penn and Teller, that, you know, they want to go out after a long career. You know, they don't want to go in the folding chair. They, It's a celebration and want to do that. And some people think of it as a badge of courage, but that's the main thing what Bert said. It's a, for a book about death, it's really celebrating these people in, in life who've been joined by this one common um, fact. Yeah. We didn't do, we didn't include stuntmen or bullfighters because that would have been very, you know, we could have filled that up in about 10 seconds. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, stunt, stunt people specifically, I think would be very easy to cover. I mean, that probably happens more than we might realize. So I'm 46 years old and I remember certain events just historically through news and stories that my parents told me. And as I was reading through this, it brought to mind a specific incident about Richie Valens and how he died in a plane full of celebrities. Those I think are very interesting when it's not just one person that passes, but a large group of people pass all at once. Have you guys thought about that as well? I know You've covered a lot in this book, but if if there were to be a follow-up edition, is that something that you would maybe consider addressing? Or do you have any thoughts on it just 
in general, since this is an area of expertise that you both cover? Yeah, we've 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 got a few instances, mostly of you know rock bands who died in fires, yes, or, or on stage, or actually right before the book came out, we managed to get this in the book. A, a Korean pop band was uh, killed by a tsunami. They were playing at a beach resort oh, wow. from behind the stage, and it's on YouTube. You can see it, and it's like suddenly the entire uh, arena is washed out, and I think everyone, uh, no one survived but the lead singer. Um, but yeah, there's you know there there's so many different avenues to go on this, you know. Plane crashes is is a book on its own. When you look at you know celebrities, plane crashes, bus crashes, uh, you know car wrecks that that kill multiple celebrities. Um, yeah, it's a it 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 really goes down a whole different rabbit holes depending which way you want to turn. And the other thing is, which is interesting, is you know it's funny you mentioned the uh, the Buddy Holly thing. We're coming up on that anniversary. Yeah, I was just reading. You know, everybody kind of t- tells their own version. Oh, I was the person supposed to toss the coin. I was going to pay for you. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's you know, you know. I think it's Dion has a story, and Polanka has a story. You know, and they all have their. That was the the one thing on doing that research was getting all the facts. Because you know, there's so many urban legends that creep into these stories. And that's what we try to do. You know, we could have written this book in 20 minutes if we just went to Wikipedia, you know, but we really wanted to go to people who were there at the time, the survivors, you know, look at newspaper accounts. As Bert has always said, you know, a newspaper account is not supposed to be the best account, but the the most current because they need to fill the uh, deadline. And then sometimes, you know, the AP will have a longer story than the Reuters, you know, and you find things and go, wait, I never saw that written before. Yeah, a lot of times, a lot of times, you know, people, when you're in the news business, you look back on, 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 on someone's story, you find that you go to the clip file and you find the clips, you find the original story from the day someone died on stage. Well, again, that was written on deadline. It was in a rush. And a lot of times the, the facts are incorrect. Right. And we managed to, to find a lot of things like that. Like Dick Sean, for instance, the, the great comedian who died on stage. People think he died in a comedy club. You know, he, he didn't. He died, you know, in a theater. Little, little things like that. Yeah, I think it's important to have all of those details as accurate as possible. And Jeff, as a side note, I want people to understand that we've had a long time standing professional relationship with him. He is a publicist in Hollywood, part of a larger organization, and he has provided several of the guests that you have enjoyed on the show. And so, and and Bert as well is an expert in this area, entertainment as well. They've been together, we said, for quite a few years and worked together And so there's a lot of personal investment in this as well, because it's not just two guys who came up with an idea to write this crazy book. It's not a forensic analysis, but it is a tribute to some of the amazing people who have gone before us, as you described, taken off the grease paint, gotten in the car, the tour bus or whatever, and just driven off. Even more oddly, it's happened on stage and People don't realize it. It's part of an act that they think, and then the curtains close. You you tell a lot of stories in this book. Do either one of you have one that stands out to you as the most fascinating one that you've covered? You know, when we were pitching this book, an agent said, this is the worst novel I've ever read. Everybody, <laughs> everybody dies on the first page of every chapter. You know, you know, so we had to make it interesting because otherwise it would have read and he had a heart attack and he had a heart attack. So you really wanted to break up. And so the book does have people dying 
from being assassinated on stage and stabbed, electrocuted. So that was very interesting. And then Bert and I came up with an expression, what's the button? What's the hook that makes this interesting? And one thing we do say, since we've been together for so long and researching this for three years, I hope no one finds our emails all these years later <laughs> because they're very snide. When uh, Meatloaf collapsed on stage, I would send, oh boy. I would send Bert a, a, an email. Do you think he'll make chapter seven? Or when Steven Tyler fell or Phil Collins. So we try to be in good taste. But to answer your question, the first entry in the book that bookends it is a woman named Jane Little, who literally yes. lives up to her title. She was about four foot 11, played the double stand up bass. She was in the Atlanta Symphony Orchestra and she was battling health, but she knew if she stayed with the symphony and came back, she could break the Guinness Book of World's Records for the longest tenure in a symphony orchestra. Well, she did come back after health problems. And during the encore of the show, she believe, believe it or not, she died of a heart attack. Now, what song was she playing? Now, if you wrote this in a book or put it in a screenplay, it would say, take that out. It's so corny. It was, there, there's no business like show business. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, that's the epitome. I said, th thank you. There was the button. And then the other one, and I'll let Bert say, is the one that ends the story is we interviewed uh, Carl Walenda. Um, um, no, I'm sorry, Nick Walenda, the grandson of the great Carl Walenda. And he's the epitome of the show won't, will go on. You know, this is a family, the Flying Walendas. They would do the pyramid of death. And they had seven family members stacked, you know, on top of each other. And two dropped to their death. One was paralyzed. And the next year, they were still doing the pyramid. Members were falling to their death or being paralyzed, and they were still doing it. And Carl Walenda said, I'd rather die on the wire than in bed. And Nick Walenda said, you know what? I'd rather die with my grandchildren around me than on the wire. So those two people bookend, I think, the, the lives of performers. Yes, I think I think they were both very, very fitting. You know, a woman who was, you know, 89 years old, she had reached that, 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 that goal in her life. And she was part of an orchestra made up of much younger people. And so when she did die, this is, this is one example where everybody said, isn't it great? She did go out in such a great way. You know, we, we were all there and she didn't die in a nursing home. And, you know, rather than rather than, you know, sit, sitting alone in her room and, and, and being found dead. Well, she got to hear that play that last song. She made it all the way to the encore. But there's a lot of interesting stories like that. Um, for instance, the only performer to die. We've had a lot of country music deaths, a lot of tragedies and a lot of crashes. But only one performer uh, died on stage at the Grand Ole Opry in Nashville. They have what's called the, the sacred circle. It's um, yes. it's wood. You know, Hank Williams had stood and Hank Snow and, and all those performers. And they have it built into the, the theater at, at the new um, Opryland Playhouse. And Oni Wheeler was a, was a country musician. He, he, he was known for being able to vocalize the, the train whistle in the Wabash Cannonball. He was performing at a, at a gospel show uh, on, on the Grand, at the Grand Ole Opry, was singing and fell, dropped from a heart attack in the circle. And what did the other performers do? What did the other country performers do? Did they start CPR right away? No, they, they formed a prayer circle around him and prayed as he lay there in, in the circle and he passed away in, at the hospital. We interviewed his daughter who was also a, um, 
uh, a country music singer, a star in her own right. And she had told us that she had carried a cassette tape. He died in 1984. She had carried a cassette tape for all these years. And only the previous year, she listened to it to hear her father's last performance. Because again, when we looked up the story, it said he was singing one particular song. And she said, no, he was definitely singing this song. Well, how do you know it? Well, she goes, I just listened to it about six months ago for the first time. And I heard my daddy's last breath. And you have, you know, you have to respect people when they tell you stories like that, you know? Yeah, so, so fascinating. And it's just a fun book. In chapter five, you tackle the topic of magicians and escape artists, which I like. I'm a huge Penn and Teller fan. So that story definitely resonated with me. We talk about the idea of the bullet catch trick. And he essentially says, Penn says that the idea of external circumstances can almost be just as dangerous or less safe than the actual trick itself that they perform. And I know that they often talk about this before they perform that they never, they have a list and they basically don't do anything that would be considered immoral or dangerous. And what you're seeing on stage is just as safe as them sitting in a chair or eating a sandwich. So I want to talk about the idea of magicians um, because you cover a lot of different things, but this one was the most fascinating. Let's talk about that experience and having those conversations with these magicians who are either still living or who had passed on uh, because of incidents. Do you think those are kind of stand out a little bit more from the other types of stories or do they just all sort of add to each other and make it such, such a good book to read? The real story that I thought was sort of the, the ultimate magic story was a story of amazing Joe Burris. Yes. Uh, we, spoke to Joe's, we spoke to Joe's son. We actually have been carrying on a friendship with Joe's son, who, after all these years, is still trying to get a memorial plaque placed at the, the, uh, at the spot where his father died. Amazing Joe was a guy who had a lot of troubles in his life. He, he had troubles with alcohol. He had troubles with, with some drugs here and there. He actually wound up in prison when a child custody dispute. Uh, went went wrong, but he also he found his his redemption in magic, and he wanted to be greater than Houdini, and he practiced he practiced his magic and he and he came up with an idea of the buried alive trick. I believe that's it's the one stunt that Houdini could not do. Or Jeff will know more about it. We'll tell you more about that. But on on Halloween 1990, the 64th anniversary of Harry Houdini's death, he had a show at, a, at a, an amusement area in Fresno, California. He had himself buried in a homemade uh, plastic see-through coffin that he had made. And then he had, they, they buried him. This was, this was on, on local radio and television, a lot of cameras there. They put him in the hole, covered it with dirt, and then poured seven tons of cement into the hole. Uh, and Joe, of course, did not make it out of there. Um, and it, it was, it was, quite a you know, terrible story because, you know, the family was there, the sons were there to witness it. And uh, the son said, you know, just want you to know one thing is that he made it out of the coffin. He did. He was, he was crawling through. He, you know, he, he was eventually suffocated by the cement, but he almost made it out. But amazing yeah. was a story. Again, he was, that was a story of a person who was otherwise obscure. He wanted to be as great as Houdini. And now 30 years later, 31 years later, 
if you do go on Google, if you do look up magicians, you find the story of Amazing Joe. So in that way, he was able to achieve this immortality that he was looking for. And Houdini died in 1926. You know, by no means um, was he uh, died on stage. But almost as early as 1930, we recorded uh, incidents of magicians trying to outdo Houdini in dying on stage. You know, and it goes on as recently as I think a year or two ago, we noticed magicians have been dying. You know, even though magic and I think I, I know the Magic Castle would not prefer we say this, but most of what they're doing are tricks. However, there is an element there is an element of danger to this. You know, when yes. you are, as the bullet catch is proven, it is a trick, but it, it can go wrong, you know, more close to two dozen times, going back 300 years, you know, and the same thing with the buried alive. It is a trick, but the danger that is involved, you know, it's a you know, it's it's and Penn and Teller are truly, as you said, they don't believe in doing anything more dangerous than sitting in a, in a chair. And that was Houdini's philosophy. But do, accidents do happen, unfortunately. Yeah, 100 percent. And I think of other magicians like Chris Angel, who kind of does these things that are a little bit more hardcore than what a normal trick might be instead of sawing someone in half. You know, we're talking chainsaws and, and everything else. In fact, I just watched Penn and Teller fool us last night. So that's fresh on my mind. But I have to say uh, that Bert and Jeff, this book is fantastic. I've really enjoyed reading it. And again, we'll make links available to everybody who listens to this episode in our show notes and make sure that people have the opportunity to take a look at this and enjoy it. And really it's, it's in memoriam or in honor of these people and not, you know, a USA today or an inquirer type approach <laughs> uh, for lack of a better vernacular uh, and just really going, okay, this is fascinating and just really paying tribute, especially for someone myself, like myself, who clearly was not around for a lot of this, but can look back on historical instances and go, Hey, you know, this is a lot of fun. If there was one takeaway that you wanted people to get from this book, what would that be? I think that the one takeaway would be that there's no business like show business. There's not. And, and you know, the stage is not always a safe place to be. It's not always a safe space. And that, and that also, when you read a story about an incident in a performer's life, that doesn't encapsulate everything this person did. You have someone like Dick Sean, someone like um, Jackie Wilson, someone like uh, Owen Hart, the wrestler, people who are known for the way they died. There's so much more to their lives and so much more to their careers, which make them you know, significant in so many other ways. And we tried to bring that out. Absolutely. We were all about paying a tribute to these people. As Bert says, right, people, when you mentioned Dick Sean, people forget, you know, all the great work he did, you know, you know, um, Mad, Mad, Mad World, you know, the producers, they said, oh, yeah, he died on stage. Really? (laughs) I think he did something before that. So that, I think, is very important. And lastly, we're very proud of the research we did and uncovered facts. One thing, you know, when you mentioned about interesting deaths, the one of the most proud of, and I I won't give it away, but um, it's all in the book, is the gentleman who died during the taping of the Dick Cavett show. I mean, that has had the greatest urban legend. 
ever. Even Dick Cavett, unfortunately, misremembers a couple of things. Uh, a dear friend of mine named Robert Bader, who works for Dick Cavett, said to me, if you said, if you sell this book, I will allow you to watch this episode. And Bert and I are probably the only people, you can literally count on one hand the number of people who've ever seen this episode. And we watched it, recorded the audio so we can get every fact and nuance right. right? And it's amazing on how many urban myths have crept into this thing since 1971. Uh, I'll let the readers, uh, you know, find it for themselves. But uh, that's, I think that's another takeaway on how much wonderful dedication and care was uh, paid to every story in the book. Yes. And interestingly enough, you were on a podcast a while ago of a, of a colleague of mine, and you talked about that story. And this is before you and I started working together, Jeff. I Googled that particular incident just because of my curiosity. It's not on YouTube or Google. You cannot find it anywhere. But there are a lot of stories and interesting myths and legends about that individual passing on the Dick Cavett show. So, yes, read the book. You have to read it. You have nothing but time. Uh, we're all sitting around doing nothing. Well, we're doing something now very significant, talking to two great people. But past that, you know, we're in L.A. County. Things are opening up, but we still have a lot of time. So read a book uh, and enjoy it. Again, the title of the book is uh, The Show Won't Go On, The Most Shocking, Bizarre, and Historic Deaths of Performers on Stage written by the delightful Jeff Abraham and Bert Kearns. Gentlemen, thank you for joining me today. I appreciate it. Thank, thank you so you. much, Brett. Our pleasure. That brings today's show to a close. Goodly do. Thanks for stopping by. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to share it with a friend and subscribe. It's absolutely free. The views and opinions of the guests do not necessarily reflect those of the host. Autobots, roll out. Go home.